welcome to another episode of the Joy for Ministry podcast. I am so glad you are here for part two of my interview with Jennifer Street. Jennifer is a licensed clinical social worker. She is the trauma care coordinator at Care for Pastors, and she is someone who has a heart for women and loves to come walk alongside them and help them through church hurt and forced termination. Jennifer shares her own story, so stay tuned. Everything else in our life needs to revolve around our family, and that's our first and most important ministry. Right. Um, so that was a huge lesson learned and readjusting our priorities in that way. Um, but yeah, as far as, so taking a break helped me, um, you know, doing immediately after it happened, I actually did some, some counseling myself because I still had to continue doing my job for about six weeks, which involved seeing people from there that were my clients. And that was very hard for me. Um, You know, it's always interesting to sit with someone um, who is crying and telling you how terrible this is for them. And and I was like, okay, but it's my life that's falling apart right now. Um, So just, I felt like I had to get some support in order to make it through that six weeks of transitioning out of my office and, and successfully terminating with my clients and getting them transferred to new counselors and things like that. Um, so I initially did some counseling for myself and then uh, we did care for pastors. You know, we ended up um, moving because we had a, a kind of a hard decision to make. It was like, we could stay here, but it's very expensive to live here and we don't have anybody here. Um, and oddly enough, we just a few months before we had sold our house in Tampa, it had been rented out the whole time. Oh, wow. Uh, we had had a tenant and um, I thought to myself, God, like, why would you let this happen? We, if we hadn't sold our house, we could have just gone back. We have friends there. We had a house there, affordable place to live. Uh, we could have just moved back into our old house. Yeah. But I know that's not the had other plans. Yeah. And that, that was on purpose because we weren't supposed to go back there um, for that season. Um, but yeah, so taking the, the time away and taking the opportunity to be fed ourselves. We took some time off from church totally. And then we had a long period of time where we just sat in the back. So we started going back, but we weren't serving. We weren't, and we were very intentional about that. Um, So it was probably two and a half, maybe almost three years before we did any like paid ministry service again. Um, And we still have not gone back into full-time pastoring, but now we're we're making that choice, not because we don't love ministry or we don't want to be back in it, but we're making that choice because God has given us a precious season to both be home with our little ones. Mm, and that's awesome. we, yeah, we know the fast paced life of ministry. And so we're trusting that when God's ready, he'll put us back in that, but we're really um, just kind of being thankful for right. the season, season to be home with our little ones. I love that. Those are all such great things that you said, everything you said in my spirit, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And even walking through this, I, I feel that even the priorities, I will say a lot of times it's hard because it's like hindsight is 2020. You know what I mean? Like you don't realize until, you know, I've said this time, time again, once we went through our forced termination, I look back at the times I left my kids home alone so I can go serve. And, and 
instead of that being like a beautiful thing, like we were serving in ministry, it turns this bitterness in my heart. Like I left my family, you know, my kids at home. So I, and, but my priorities were out of line. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to do that. I think, you know, here and there, but when it's consistent that you're, you know, leaving your kids at home, whether with a babysitter, my kids happen to be old enough that I can leave them now. Um, you know, it, it was me who was out of balance, but I, I didn't realize that until we walked through what we walked through mm. and all of these things are sometimes painful. It's painful to learn these things, but it really is so great when you can, um, heal and you learn these things and you carry it into your next place. Yeah. You're better say, for like, it. Yeah. And I love what you said about just not speaking out of your anger and not feeling like you have to defend yourself, but leaving that to the Lord. I think that is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. I think it is incredibly necessary. And I think yeah. it's a beautiful thing when you can do that because you will see the Lord fight for you. And, and like you said, God doesn't always have to show you these things like a person coming and saying this in your like it's validation that doesn't have to happen. But when he does show you that it's just such, it's amazing. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I was looking through my Facebook uh, recently thinking about how many people on there are from past churches we've served youth ministries, you know, that we've been in and even just former jobs that I've had. Um, and I'm like, you know what, I'm a person who finishes well. And if I didn't, I wouldn't still be connected to all of these people from all of these different places that we've been and served. Um, so that like, to me, I feel like that's who I want to be. And, you know, yes, there have to be new boundaries. And there are some people that I have chosen not to have as part of my life anymore after some of the things we've been through. Um, but for the most part, I, I just think that tells a story, right. And I would, that's, that's how I want to be remembered. You know, when people from former churches still reach out to us for help or prayer, or, you know, when they need something, I'm like, well, they really know who we are. And that's, that's the, that's what's important to us. You know, I, that's so true. And I love that. I always think how you finish, how you leave a place is going to directly affect how you go into the next place. Mm. And just because somebody else did something that wasn't right and you can't control that it doesn't mean that you you know can't control yourself and how you handle that and ultimately it's like it, it's a trusting the lord and it's really hard to do you're relinquishing your identity your reputation you're trusting that he's going to fight for you and it was it's funny because like a, a couple weeks ago i was something came up with our old church and i said i, I was praying and i was like lord I know it's been a year and a half, but will you still fight for us? Because I'm always like, you know, why we let the Lord fight for us. And he really did. He really did. Like he, we didn't have to say a word. We left well, people, you know, were amazing. Um, And I just kind of was like, you know what? Yeah, it's been a year and a half, but God's years and God's timing are not mine. Like a year and a half Mm -hmm. to him is he'll fight for me for the rest of my life, you know? And I, I almost felt bad asking like, Lord, you know, it's, it's been a year and a half, but keep fighting for us. And he's like, a year and a half to me is 
you know, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. So I, I just love when God does that. And I think we see it in his provision too, you know, even as much as I struggled emotionally after our last church, um, that actually wasn't as much to do with the forced termination as it was about something else that happened after during that time. So it was like a perfect storm of, of some bad stuff happening. Mm. Um, but we never missed a beat. Like we, God provided, you know, like within a month I had a full-time job that was, you know, was taking care of us and we had provision to move and God opened doors for us. And, you know, so I always love Beth Moore talks about making a timeline, right. Of God's faithfulness in your life. And so I have this notebook that just has a black Sharpie line, just pages of a black Sharpie line. Um, and I go in it and I write things and sometimes they're not fun things or good things, but just to be able to look back and see, okay, even when that happened, God showed up in this way and mm. seeing his faithfulness, because, you know, I could just tell you story after story about like, well, we shouldn't have been able to, we shouldn't have been okay after this happened, right. or, you know, but we were, and, you know, um, so just seeing his faithfulness, I think when, when you're obedient, knowing yes. that he is going to take care of you in that way and being able to look back and see that, um, I think I, there's very few things, um, a long time ago, this is funny, it comes from a movie with Joe Pesci, right, but there's an old movie called With Honor, and in that movie, Joe Pesci plays um, a homeless man, and he interacts with these students from Harvard, and the lesson that he teaches them is to live life with honor and no regrets. Mm. and that's always stuck with me since like high school and I look back on our time in ministry and I don't there's very few things that I would say I regret mm. um, and so I think when we try to live obediently and not that we're perfect but when we can say I did that with honor and I don't have any regrets um, that God shows up and takes care of us even when we yes. screw up he still shows up and takes care of us but I definitely see that hand of faithfulness in all of it mm. Mm. that's so good I say all the time we would never my husband and I would never be at the church we're at now if we fought for ourselves when we left mm. our last church and I, I really believe that yeah so I love just when God shows up in that way and he does so we kind of touched on this a little bit but if you could give one or two pieces of advice on how to leave a church well after trauma, what would it be? And you kind of answered that, but if you have anything else you want to add to that. So we were talking about not having regrets. Um, if I could do it over again, I, um, I tried to set my boundaries and make my circle smaller. Um, and it didn't work very well for me. Like I unfriended a lot of people and made my Facebook circle really small. If I had it to do over again, I would just go off of social media because I ended up doing that anyway for about two and a half years, maybe a little longer. Um, and when I look back on it, that is something that I regret. I wish that I had just said, I need the space to not have this right. in my face all the time. Right. Um, you know, on Sunday, people that were still on my Facebook put posting, I love my church, I love my church, and they're still there, you know. Um, and so I do, if I could do it over, I would do that. I would just 
probably shut my social media off immediately and really just find another way to stay connected to the the close circle of people that right. I could trust and that I could go to for support. Um, because in a lot of ways, it was good for me to look through my Facebook and be like, um, if you only ever call me when you need something and you don't really support me, I'm going to take you right. off. Um, but I actually hurt a really important relationship in my life um, that I, I do regret that because I had some other unresolved hurts that um, just got piled in with this one and I um, unfriended somebody that I wish I hadn't. And so I know that sounds like a, a dumb piece of advice, but you know, it if it were to happen all. to me again, I would, I would just stop social media altogether because it became a source of additional pain yeah. that I didn't need. Um, a thousand percent. That's, I think that's incredibly wise. It doesn't sound dumb at all. I actually, I, I think that's huge. Yeah. Because, you know, what I realized in that time was the three or four people that made an effort to reach out and check on me or that I made an effort to stay in communication with that. Those were really the supports that I needed. Um, and I didn't need to see all the, I love my church posts and I didn't need the people reaching out to me who just were being nosy and wanted to know what happened. And I couldn't tell you anyways, because for six months we weren't allowed to talk about it. Um, and then also, um, during that same period of time, we, um, we went through a miscarriage. So we, we lost our daughter and, um, this baby showers and people posting oh. baby announcements. And that is ultimately what made me finally shut it off because I was like, I just can't look at another one of yeah. those right now. Um, but that was something, you know, you're talking about the layers and how later on, you know, that was something that came up for me unexpectedly was, um, so we had the miscarriage while we were still there. So we had no support. We were by ourselves going through this and we'd had infertility for 10 years. So to, wow. um, to finally be blessed with a pregnancy and then to lose it right, like within three months of this happening to us, um, it Ron and Rodetta get a kick out of this. They were actually um, the care for pastors. They were the first people to know that we were pregnant because we were blessed with that pregnancy while we were there. Oh, um, so we called them to tell them because we were like, how crazy is this? Um, but that started a really dark season of my life because for the Lord to give us that blessing at a time that everything else was falling apart, I felt like he was saying, you know, no pastor, no church, no circumstance can derail my plan for your life. Um, and it was such a like beautiful blessing mm. in that time. And and then for, for it to go away, um, really put me into this dark season of, you know, really struggling in my faith, which I had never experienced before. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of the hard for me was not as much what happened at the church, but then what happened afterwards. And um, so, yeah, that for me, I never, when you go through something hard, you press into your faith, right? Right. Uh, but when you feel like you're struggling in your faith and like, God, this doesn't feel good, right? At right. all. How are you good in this? Um, you know, it's a, it's a despair that yeah. is really hard to, to walk through. But, um, so I, I think that's, if I had it to do over again, I think I would, I would only surround myself with the supportive people that I needed to go through what I was going through. Um, not feel like I had to give answers to people that, right. you know, um, and take better care of myself in that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's so good. I think that's, I, I love that you're saying these things and somebody that, you know, is going through this can listen. And I 100% agree with the, the social media thing. It's, it does so much damage you don't realize. Um, it delays the healing to see those things over and over. I know our old church is huge on social media and it was, you know, I went through a season, I just turned it completely off. Um, and every, and every once in a while, and I had to hide everybody, all, even when I went back on probably almost a year later, I had to hide a lot of people and you feel bad because that they're lovely people and, but you just don't want to see yeah. those things, you know, that, that are just painful. Yeah. And it came up for me, you know, when you were talking about the layers. So after we moved, we actually um, did have um, another pregnancy and our daughter was born. And I remember this came out of nowhere for me. I remember being so angry during maternity leave. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And I realized what it was, was like, this is not what my maternity leave was supposed to be like. Mm. You know, like I was having to work. So I took a maternity leave from my full-time job, but I was working my part-time job while I was home on maternity leave so that, um, you know, we could take care of ourselves financially. And, um, and, you know, that was a choice that we made. Like, you know, my husband could have gone and done something else, but we, we wanted to be home together and my job gave us that opportunity, but there was like another loss. It's like the church, I felt like the church caused this. I should be home just enjoying my baby. And instead I'm trying to work and breastfeed and I was grading papers in the NICU while our daughter was in the NICU um you know and and my colleagues were amazing I remember getting on to the computer while she was asleep and realizing that they had um they'd had a graduate assistant uh, student go in and grade some of my stuff and I like cried because I was like oh my gosh I thought I had five columns of stuff to grade and I only had two or you know just whatever it was a relief um but there was like a loss there and an anger about if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't be doing this right now. I would just be able to focus on being a new, a mom. Um, and that, that was hard for me. It was like later on that, that secondary loss came up. I hate how those things creep up. Like, Mm -hmm. so like, you know, just recently I'm like a year and a half. I I thought I was over this. Like, and all of a sudden something happens and it creeps up on you and you're, you're angry again, or you're hurt again, or you're sad again. I'm like, darn it. Yeah. But I I mean, I'm sure you can speak to this much more than I can. I think that's maybe part of the grieving or the part of the healing. It's just going to happen. And, and there's no time, like there's no set time of when that will end. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I heard somebody say one time, it's actually a book for therapists, but it, he was talking about how um, darkness comes again and again to those who are self-aware. So I could avoid that feeling that and recognizing it later, but that would mean I'm not self-aware. Right. So the benefit of being self-aware is you're going to feel things, but that can also be a downside sometimes. Right. That's really interesting. So you have been in ministry for basically, I mean, 17 years you said? I guess it's like almost 20 years now because it was 17 years when we left our last full-time position. So yeah. And we've been gone for almost four. So it's crazy. So 20 years of ministry, being a woman in ministry, being a pastor's wife, 
counseling other women in ministry, other pastors, wives, if you could go back to the beginning, so now you're 20 years wiser, if you could go back to the beginning and tell yourself something, what would it be? Oh my goodness, if I could tell myself <laughs> something. Um, I think it would be that lesson of family first, like that family is my first and most important ministry. Um, mm -hmm. Because we say that, but our calendars don't always reflect that, right? Yes, very true. Um, and who was it, Andy Stanley, that always says, if you want to see what somebody's priorities are, show me their calendar and their checkbook. Um, mm. Because it doesn't matter what we say our priorities are, it matters what we actually right. do. Um, so I think that lesson of everything revolves around the family, not the other way around, the family right. revolving around the church. Um, that. And that message of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, right. to, to recognize that God has uniquely gifted me to do certain things that other people aren't uniquely gifted to do. And if I do theirs I'm taking right. I'm robbing them of that um so, so true yeah not that any one job is more important but there's not as many people that can play the piano as that can hold babies in the nursery and both are very important jobs right um but I don't need to feel like I should be holding babies in the nursery if he's called me to be playing the piano right or to fill a role that no one else can fill right, right? That's so good. So, yeah, probably those two. Okay. So you do so much in caring for other people. What is a way that you care for yourself and you get fed? Well, pre and post children, that answer is very different. <laughs> sure. Um, I, you know, before children, I was very fortunate and blessed to be able um, to take usually it was Monday mornings because, you know, we'd be at church uh, for a long time. And since I set my own schedule at work, I would not go in on Mondays and I would um, spend the morning like having tea and I would listen mm. to an entire worship service, like the music and the sermon from another church just online. Wow. Um, so I would sit outside on my back porch and I would do that. And then I would, you know, worship and journal. And then I also was carving out some time to do some writing, not just journaling, but actual writing eBooks and things that I wanted okay. to eventually publish. Um, and then I would watch Downton Abbey because Downton Abbey came on on Sunday nights. And um, so I would have tea and pretend I was British and watch Downton oh, Abbey. Oh, I love which, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I realized how spoiled I was that I got to do that every Monday um, because then children came along and there's no such thing as sitting no. down and I don't even, the new boundary is I am not getting up until I finish my hot cup of tea, yes. no matter what you need, unless you're bleeding, like I'm, mommy's going to finish her tea first. But that's a um, very important boundary. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it looks very different before kids, but I think after children, um, you know, it, it looks different. Um, and honestly, working full time and trying to also care for myself, you know, practical things like I got a standing desk and a under the desk treadmill because I'm like, there are just some days where I don't get to exercise. So yeah. I, at least I can walk while I'm working. Um, you know, so and then I picked up a hobby of recumbent road biking. So I have this um, bike that looks like a little go-kart and I ride it around. Oh, Not as so much fun. as I would like to, but <laughs> yeah. So I think 
you know, not neglecting yourself, whatever yeah. that means. And a couple years ago, my kind of quote of the year was about self-care isn't just salt baths and chocolate cake. It's about creating a life you don't feel like you need to escape from. Mm. Um, so when I feel like I have to get out of here for a minute, then I know like I'm not doing good at self-care. Yeah. I should not feel that way. I, I need to create an environment and a schedule and a routine that makes me want to be present. Right. Um, so being more conscientious about what you say yes to and, you know, yeah. um, protecting that time. Um, yeah. And I love that, that you're fitting that self-care. into your lifestyle. You're fitting it into how, you know, your life goes and not trying to make something happen that isn't realistic for you. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So I know that this is a big question for winding down here. What has been the most rewarding thing about being in ministry and serving women in ministry all these years? Oh, wow. I mean, just the relationships, you know, there are uh, some incredible women that live all over the country that I have had the opportunity to develop lasting relationships with. Um, but, you know, most of our time in ministry, we were in student ministry. And so, you know, like I made a playlist on Spotify recently of songs that have dropped from students that were in our worship oh, band. Wow. Or so there's like three or four of them that are off leading worship and recording music and doing all kinds of things. And so um, that was really cool for me to be able to make a playlist of like, you know, all these students that had come through our student ministry. And one of them, he's a music prodigy, but his, his very first guitar lesson was by my husband. And of course he Aww. quickly surpassed everything we could teach him. Um, but you know, it was, it's just really cool, um, to be able to see that and, um, yeah. you know, so probably like, the students seeing yeah. them grow and having them message you on Facebook and oh, reminisce and um yeah that's that's always really heartwarming oh I love that that's so awesome so if there's somebody that has listened to this podcast and it's they are walking through a trauma from a church trauma from ministry or a forced termination where can they go? What resources can they look to, to help them walk through this? Yeah, you know, that's huge. I I think first I would say, don't think that it's not traumatic just because nobody died or you didn't have a, you know, I think sometimes people think what I went through doesn't qualify. Right. Um, So first is just know if, you know, if it's causes changes in your thinking, changes in your mood, if you, Um, are reliving experiences or having intrusive thoughts or you can't sleep because of what you've been going through like those are all signs that you're having a traumatic response Hmm. Um, and you don't have to meet the clinical definition of post-traumatic stress disorder in order to be having a trauma response Um, so first I would say like don't minimize it and Hmm. we know that untreated trauma causes other mental health concerns Um, so you know obviously yes reach out and we've already mentioned a few of the resources through care for pastors. Um, they have the confidant, which is the wives, um, confidential support group online on it's a Facebook group. Yeah. Um, and then our beat again group is the eight week education and support 
class for ministry trauma and forced termination. Um, and then also Care for Pastors offers on-site and virtual care. So if you're struggling in ministry, even if you haven't gotten to a traumatic event or a forced termination right. prevention, you know, there's no measure on how valuable prevention is. Um, so I think like reaching out first to, if, if it's not care for pastors, even just to a local, you know, Christian counselor who can support you. Um, I think it's really healthy, even if you're not going through hard stuff, because ministry is just hard. Right. So being connected to a formal support system, whether it's a counselor or a group, um, a support group or something like that. Um, I, I wish there was more out there. I wish I could give you a really long list of resources all, for all the places that pastors could go. Um, on the Confidant, a lot of times ladies will post places that offer kind of rest and renewal. Mm. So there's some conference centers and places like that where you can kind of just go to get away and rest right. and renew. Um, so those are all always great resources. Um, and like I said, in the future, we hope to have retreats and other types of services yeah. specifically for trauma care. Right. That's great. I'm going to put those links in the show notes and you can find them on my website or go right to care for pastors as well. And there's information there. So Jennifer, thank you so much. I think that just your heart for, for women, what you've been through, your testimony, your passion, your training, and just the anointing of the Lord, all these things are really touching people's lives. And I know it's made a, a big difference in my life. And thank you for just being on here and getting word out that this is something that people face and that ministry is painful and that you can, and you can get help. Yeah. That's huge. And, and I think too, for people to know that there is a specific type of trauma care. It's not just, um, sometimes just general counseling is not, not the most helpful yeah. approach. So knowing that you can get that specialized care yes. is really important. I, th I think that's true because not everybody knows, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but not everybody knows the ministry trauma that you know, I, I was very blessed with, I found a, a counselor who I love, who's a pastor's wife and who just knows the church. And she was helped me through a lot of things, but not everybody has that where you have somebody that's understanding the trauma of going through a church hurt. Yeah. So, so. true. And thank you, Joy, for what you're doing and your website and blog. And just, I know you're reaching a whole group of ladies as well, which is amazing. Well, thank you. I think it's so important so we know we're not alone isolation is a way that we just the enemy just gets a hold of us and so i'm just passionate about speaking the truth about ministry while loving it and just showing you can thrive there but this is painful we can't talk about this yeah so and i would love to have you back another time. sure <laughs> yeah i would love to awesome well thank you so much thank you Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please email us at joyforministry at gmail.com. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. Just visit our website. You could submit an anonymous prayer request. We have an amazing team of women who want to hold other women up in prayer. So if you are a pastor's wife, if you are a pastor, if you are a woman in ministry and you need somebody to come and walk alongside you, we would love to do that. 
Make sure you tune in next week. This is such an amazing episode. I get to talk with my good friend, Lindsay White. Lindsay and I were youth pastor wives together almost 20 years ago. Such an amazing conversation we have. Lindsay is so open and honest about her struggles with anxiety and depression and what she walked through. And she is just passionate about being honest about her struggle so she can help other women. So you do not want to miss it. It is part one of a two-part conversation because there's just so much good stuff in there that I just have to break it up in two episodes. So please join us. Um, We would love to have you share us, rate us, subscribe. The more people we can reach out to, the more voices we can have and come together and be united and walk alongside each other. Thank you. See you next week.